then let's forget what we should have done earlier and continue with what we should do now. Good morning, everyone. I'm Phil. And I'm Kyle. And we are the Unsociablists, back for another watch-along. And uh, this is going to give you a pretty clear signifier. Kyle and I have been alternating choosing what episode we're going to watch for a thing. And uh, over the course of it, Kyle has chosen two very serious, you know, uh, yeah. thought-heavy shows. And I have chosen silly comedy bullshit. That just shows you, you know, generally where both of our heads are at. And in keeping with that theme, uh, today we'll be watching an episode of Community. Yeah, I think you were actually the person who uh, got me to watch Community the first time. It was a, it's a fun show. It's like a it's just a sitcom. You know, it's just a sitcom on uh, where where was it when it first was it an NBC show? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's uh, you know pretty normy or whatever, but it's a fun show and it's uh, you know it was definitely it, it's definitely a time capsule to like first term Obama, like what we're gonna be watching. So the show's credit, it tends to be a little more meta than, uh, you know, if it, Dan Harmon has a history of doing this, especially with uh, his new show, Rick and Morty. But, uh, right. you know, a lot of, a lot this of fourth before wall breaks addressing, all... addressing the trope rather than just being part of it. This is like right when that became, I guess, uh, it's before it became cliche. Yeah, it, uh, it's definitely uh, well produced for its time. There's, I mean, I, I, it's my favorite show. Would I call it a perfect show? Probably not. But uh, it definitely captures, I think it is the best representation of the uh, classic group sitcom trope that I've that I've uh, personally enjoyed. Quick overview, uh, community is about a set of students who go to a community college. Very rarely does it address that the college outside of them exists, but every once in a while you get one of those little fourth wall breaky type moments that it's like, who the hell are these guys? Um, and uh, yeah, the group is a pretty straightforward set of characters. You got the rich asshole lawyer that has to go to community cool college to actually get a degree because he faked his way through the law school also faked his way through an acting career <laughs> um you've got the blonde character who at first just seems like she's morally upstanding person and then eventually her her character trait becomes also that she just she accidentally ruins things she should ruin her then there's uh my personal favorite character abed he's uh, he's mildly autistic and has to view and tends to view everything through the lens of media but he knows just about everything about. There's uh, Troy, played by now the easily the most famous of the cast, um, Donald Glover, and he's he's just an amazing, awesome, kind of dumb uh, guy, and that's he he's excellent. Um, pro- and once once he dropped off the show, that was pretty much the end of it. Yeah. There's Annie. She's young and hot and very and book smart, but uh, she's a little bit naive. Who plays her? I forget. Uh, the Allison name. Brie. Allison Brie. Yes. Also yeah. the voice of. Uh... Diane Nguyen on Bojack, Bojack yep. Hostman. Yep. Uh, you got Shirley. She's a single mom, and uh, her husband left her for a stripper, and she's very, very, very Christian. And uh, she would be the worst in the group easily if it weren't for Pierce, who's mm-hmm. the Chevy Chase one. Yeah, in any group that Chevy Chase is in, you can rely on not being the worst person in the room. Yeah, yeah. old racist, sex, old all the ists, white man. That always meant to be there as a foil, and then if you want to count him, there's also Ben Chang, who's not part of the core group, but he's he's crazy, and uh, he he goes through multiple roles over the course of the show. Yeah, depending on the season you're watching. Security guard in this one, possibly an elf doing blackface. We will be watching uh, episode uh, season three, episode two on Netflix, which is I think that's the uh, the case just in general. Uh, Geography of global conflict. It's a little bit on the naive side of leftism, but it, it does address some of the holes in our uh, in, in both the, our protest capabilities and the capacity of uh, our United Nations. Right. The idea that this 
I, I love um, the history professor in this, the guy who plays it, who is also in Silicon Valley, plays basically the same guy, just very low energy, dry delivery of his lines. But he's like weirdly obsessed with the model UN that eventually this episode has like a fulcrum. That's the crux of the episode. And <laughs> he even recognizes that despite his, uh, you know, love for the the game, the model UN, he's like a wholly symbolic foundation founded on uh, high-minded ideals and stupid speeches yeah, signifying rhetoric. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you'll, 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 when that moment hits, uh, we'll definitely call it out because it is one of the best lines, not just in this episode, but in most media. Yeah, certainly in this. Anyway, uh, I guess we may as well jump into it. I'll be hitting play in three, two, one, play. By the end of World War II, President Roosevelt's body finally succumbed. The post- this is the professor we're talking about. I love him. Oh, the brunette is the main character, Annie. The one who called on is uh, literally just showed up this episode. Yeah. How annoying is it that that's like what history class is? It's just like fill in the blank. Oh, yeah. I mean, history has stopped being about critical thinking in our America. If it ever was. Regurgitation, just like almost every subject. Okay, so that's Britta and Shirley. Shirley's on the left. Yvette Nicole Brown. Yeah, she's great. The person who really fucking hated uh, Bernie. She's a great actress, not a great she person. She's a really good actress. Bad person. But Shirley's kind of the same as her character. Yeah. Yeah. There's Chang, the crazy one. God damn it. <laughs> We needed more of this guy. He was only in like four episodes and then he was gone. Yeah, Nunez is cool. They also have a really fantastic theme song, I was about to say. It's just. uh, Yeah, the 88 really knocks it out of the park with this one. The reasons I should stay. Chevy Chase. Yeah. Created by Dan Harmon. Like I said, Annie is young, so this petty bullshit, petty rivalry bullshit makes sense for her character. Because she's like yeah. 20 and all the rest of them are older people. <laughs> Except for Troy, who's also in, who was also right. the same age as her. <laughs> I love that line. God. And Asian Annie, Obama's America. <laughs> and if she came in Asian Annie when she played Diane. 
She did become Asian Annie. <laughs> not Asians, women. Yeah, Troy and Annie went to the same high school. I guess it's vaguely worth noting. Also, Jeff and Annie have a weird relationship that occasionally gets flirtatiously sexual, and that's creepy since he's like 18 years older than her. He's very old. She's not wrong. Britta's not wrong. Yeah. No, Britta, Britta is... Uh... Britta is usually right about stuff. She's just right about it some of the wrong ways because she's, like I said, she's yes. a ruiner, but it doesn't make her a bad person in any. She's very, she's like, she's the left, most leftist of the group, which I applaud. But in a comedy, she she definitely acts as a buzzkill. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> 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 this show is very good at making dramatic moments out of pointless incidents. Love. It just said warning. Yep. <laughs> and she even puts it in the trash can. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Damn it. That's God. Pierce throughout all the shows, throughout every episode, so. Uh, Works well with the dynamic, but it doesn't make him a good person. Yeah. 
Uh, be fair, Jeff, you getting wrapped up in this is extra childish since you're 37. Oh, the awkwardness. <laughs> they could have just landed on, we're friends, and walk out. No, so. they had to make it as awkward as possible. <laughs> oh. So great. What's this a crowd sitting at a model? Like, just random Who people. Who watches like, oh, a model like UN? That sounds like a fun way to spend a Saturday. That's Abed, my favorite character in most media. <laughs> why does he have a gun? And it's, why does that represent the, the peace shooter? Yeah, peace shooter. It's like a peace. Uh, okay. Mm. Ten thousand fucking troops. God, this is so like. It just shows you how. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, you in UN as in real in model UN as in real life. It's uh, not surprising that the military is celebrated in this, uh, in most circles. I mean, it's just again like excess, excess in the name of uh, war or for these peace. kinds of these kinds of clubs. Just like most uh, higher education type things and extracurriculars are about uh, reproducing ideology. And the ideology that somehow the UN or the, uh, you know, American sending what you would call a peacekeeping mission is insane. It's just, you name me, Yeah, that is the problem with uh, this whole thing is all they have to be is unanimously decide that they're unified. Mm -hmm. Right. It's absolutely without any kind of material analysis attached to it yeah which you know it's a fucking sitcom it's more for fun yeah
like God the reference to how protesting is treated, though, is uh, is pretty apt because leftist protesting, you can do the most trivial bullshit and you'll be uh, dragged off. God damn it. Oh, Garrett, your voice is a special kind of ear splitting. Sadly, that's the kind of leftist I am. I'm, I'm very scared of breaking the law. To be fair, it's respectable to be afraid of breaking the laws in this country since we have the full, uh, most militarized police of any yes. country but still makes me makes for bad uh protesting You're acting like a little schoolgirl and not in a hot way. But, um. Yeah. That's probably the creepiest thing you could have said. Yeah. But that Jeff does a lot of that. Got a little bit of Lolita vibes going on there. Yeah, just a bit. Like I said, their their relationship, the the the, uh, the on and off flirtatious nature of it is definitely a a sticking point meant to be creepy.
Yeah, this is definitely an episode that highlights it, but there are other episodes where it's more of a background thing where they just act normal around each other. So I think that's the end of the creepiness of between them for this episode. Abed is the source of most fourth wall breaks in this show, and he's just and so then great. it cuts away. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> he writes a, an arrest report. Like, God damn it! Nunez, you left the show too soon. How inspiring. Great. <laughs> so wrong. Science works. We have achieved world peace despite our share of war. So if you're willing to concede to us, you can complete war for one transition. United States. 
Good. Your your ultimatum is itself a technical act of aggression. You personally refuse to recognize your authority. You still use it. You refuse to even if you could get a lot of people to come volunteer to help you. You refuse. And this is the moment we're talking about. I do like when this show calls out our world's yeah. broken uh, institutions. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> what the hell are you doing? This show is so good at making moments. God damn it. No. <laughs> so that's nice. And then every episode has an end tag, which, which is just always good fun. He can never have too much Troy and Abed. I told you to stop playing Operation <laughs> I'm not your damn board game! So yeah. What? Uh, Why? What the fuck? That is community in a nutshell. And it is... I don't know. Every episode has its own fun gimmicks, but they're all kind of that same sitcom vibe. Anyway, I, I, I just think that episode's a fun one that represents a... A lot of the problems with protesting in America and uh, calls out our UN pretty pretty blatantly, which was just just fun. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny to to think that you know throughout that crazy spastic uh, floating head bit where yeah, everybody's the, the talking resolved. About, yep. Yeah, resolved. That kind of a lot of people actually believe that the UN works in this kind of way that it works as a uh, fast pace, you know, action drama. Well, even beyond that, that it actually that actual diplomacy can exist in it, where it's really more of a, it's an arm of the dominant ideology and the dominant states, who are, of course, say the United States, who's been a permanent member on the UN Security Council and has repeatedly vetoed a number, uh, pretty much any type of. Uh, resolution that might go against its personal interests, we've vetoed, you know, and we do that to veto, uh, you know, say, condemnations of the apartheid regime in Israel, in Palestine. Yeah, I mean... We do that routinely, and we do it to... uh, It's essentially another another way that we launder our empire, right, is through... It's another form of what Kwame Nkrumah called neocolonialism. You know, it's a it's another effort in obfuscating the imperial ambitions of the, in our case, the hegemonic United States. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, just in general, our UN, one of its core functions is to make sure that us, the United Nations, stand against all the not United Nations and, you know, bomb them when needed to show our authority. As long, right. And uh, of course, at the end of the day, one of the core tenets of our United Nations is united in capitalism. Yeah, I mean, there are obviously people, uh, Hugo Chavez, of course, went to the uh, UN and famously told, said, like, fuck off to Bush, you know, made fun of him. And there are going to be, you know, delegations from countries that have actually existing socialism, but the dominant mode, the dominant control mechanisms of the states that founded the UN and that kind of set the stage is capitalist production. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a pretty like like a uh, like Professor Cligoris said, it's a high, it's a high-minded Ligorous? institution based either pronunciation is fine. The high-minded institution based purely on rhetoric without actually serving the purpose of, you know, uniting anything. It's the, the the idea that all those resolutions would happen and that's the satire of model UNs was also great cuz the idea that any of that kind of resolution making would happen in our real UN is uh downright laughable it's uh we we it doesn't it doesn't serve to get anything done that doesn't benefit the elites controlling uh the populations it's very unlikely that you'll ever see anything come through the UN that isn't in the interest or in some vague if there is a conflict against capital, it's a conflict within capital, right? It's not one that's offering, like, the USSR didn't get to set the agenda, really, for the UN when it was in existence. It was still set by America, by the United States, by the powers of Europe, you know, these imperial powers, these powers that had over the last over the 300 400 years prior to the establishment of the UN essentially sculpted the world to be servile to them and the UN is just another in a long line of imperial institutions ones that it you know it, the UN basically doesn't do anything there's no international law that America can't avoid respecting there's no such thing as international law when you're the the unipolar ruler of the world as an empire and with very few exceptions america has created and has abused the world that we live in now mm-hmm. and i mean it, uh, with the help of its allies like places like israel which is in vogue right now mm-hmm. uh speaking of which i mean it's not really the theme of the episode but by, but in two weeks when we record our proper episode it might not be the in vogue conversation anymore because the world has the attention span of uh, your standard goldfish yeah i've been getting a kick out of how uh now Hamas has basically been just directly compared to Hitler. Like, oh yeah, you, you support it. You uh, you support the Palestinian rights. Well, you uh, probably would have supported Hitler back in the day then too, because he was all about genocide, and that's what this is. You know, the most it's, smooth-brained uh, arguments you could possibly hope to hear. It is colloquially respect uh, called in in Israel and by military officials and by people on the ground. Maybe not as a matter of uh, official documentation, but it is colloquially called mowing the lawn. What they are doing to people right now in Gaza and in the West Bank and in East Jerusalem is ethnic cleansing, and it's uh, an escalation in violence. This isn't something that just pops up because Hamas has thrown a rocket into Tel Aviv. You know, this is something that happens because the the people of the West Bank and the people of Jerusalem and the people of Gaza are being colonized. 
And even by the 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 fake ass rules set up by the fake ass UN, what they are doing to Gaza and the West Bank, two years ago they officially annexed the West Bank. But they've been occupying these areas for at least 50 years. Well, I mean, the Geneva Convention only applies if it doesn't benefit capitalism and doesn't keep that machine turning. It's impossible to express how horrifically evil this this regime is because it, it it is an apartheid it is a settler colonial state it is a white supremacist state and it is one that has created and people will say all the fucking time this is a conflict that's been going on for thousands of years or hundreds of years zionism as a project only began 150 years ago. You know, the people of Palestine, the Arabs who have lived there for hundreds and hundreds of years, whose families have lived there, whose culture is based there, you know, they weren't necessarily expecting in the 1920s a bunch of Zionist fundamentalist terrorists to come and bomb hotels. This is shit that was happening... Back uh, in, under the British mandate after the fall of the Ottoman Empire. This shit is, yeah, you could say that there's a long history to it. And you can say, oh, well, it's complicated. It's really not that complicated. What it is is that there were people living in a place indigenous to those places. And then you have largely a lot of Europeans coming in and kicking them out so that they can live there. It's very similar to what happened in the West, uh, the American West, and here in this hemisphere. The only difference is that in the 19th, in the 18th and 19th centuries, you could just genocide people and it didn't have any kind of worry about PR. Now they take some small effort to hide what is ethnic cleansing and genocide. Mm. The idea that there are so many things that are easily debunked. But because in America we've tied so much a personal uh, virtue to having the right, correct opinions in politics, uh, you can so easily trick people into thinking like, oh, it's anti-Semitic to criticize Israel, which is in, in itself a very anti-Semitic position to have. Absolutely. It's because it's, it's narrowing that whole... Uh group of people regardless of any actions they take down to judaism it's literally uh taking out the uh separation of ideology from the individual and uh just turning them into one blanket group of it's the jews they were oppressed and now you can't say anything mean about them well it's to also it's like why should netanyahu speak for the jewish faith why should a horrible murderous fascist ethno-nationalist be the person who is speaking for an entire faith, an entire, you know, a, an ethnic minority across the world. Why should this guy, this murderer, this corrupt sack of shit get to talk about Judaism as if he is a, he is like their pope? It's not what it is. He, he exists in a, American satellite state, essentially as a bulwark against Arab nationalism and as a 
bulwark against decolonialization. Because he is a colonial state, he acts as a outpost for American staging. The IDF is essentially a wing of the American uh, military, which then comes into America and trains our police to do the same shit that they do in Gaza on a smaller scale here to people in Ferguson. It's the same shit. Yeah, but uh, at the end of the day, we had to find some way to label anyone who doesn't support Israel as a bad person because Israel is a source of a lot of our military income and they uh, are very good business partners for continuing to make war happen. You and me, we're giving money to Israel. I, I, It just drives me insane to think that this comes up every three, four years or quicker because in 2018, 2019, there were, again, mowing the lawn. This mm. is something that happens so frequently. And it comes into everybody's view, uh, and it only ever comes into view because, of course, Hamas is shot back, finally, you know, uh, uh, essentially. He killed our people for years and years, and now we want to do something about it. Oh, look at these evil guys trying to protect their human rights. It's been compared to saying, like, what is the power of uh, somebody who's running a prison gang compared to a warden, right? Like, the prison, Gaza, the open-air prison, is being managed and controlled entirely by the Israeli government and also by kind of in tandem with al-Sisi's government in Egypt. And so you see this this kind of blaming of Hamas as if they have some sort of actual control over Gaza. You know, f- these votes don't really give them anything. They don't give them control over water, 97 of which is not fit for human consumption they don't give them control over the seas they don't give them control over power there's rolling blackouts constantly you know these people are living in in the most the third most densely populated area on earth and it's because they've been forced they are refugees who have been forced from their homes in Jaffa, their homes uh, further into what is now Israel or where they were once upon a time in like Hebron or, you know, the the Nakba, which is the Arabic name for the uh, forced relocation of many Arabs and Palestinians from their homes during 1948 and beyond. Uh, it's never end. It's Nakba every day and it's Kristallnacht every day. If you look on Twitter and see some of the horrific shit mobs supported by the police going into people's homes and tearing them away from their families. It, I just don't see how you can look at that and think uh, this person who says that the Palestinians deserve rights, they're the Nazi. The, the people who are supported by the state that actually took in Nazis to create rockets that put Nazis in charge of West Germany, who the Nazis took so many programs from of extermination, the settler colonialists who are supporting Israel, that's the state that I need to support. These people aren't the Nazis. It's the Palestinians. It's Hamas. Yeah, and of course, if you want to listen to the U.S. argument about, oh, well, but it's religious, it's the religious freedom of these Jewish peoples over in Israel and anti-Semitism, if you don't like it, then, of course, you could look at Afghanistan and the term Islamophobia still isn't in vogue after 
how, how 20 years of war, 21 years now coming it, up? It like popped in very briefly during the Trump administration because of his because travel Because it was ban. Trump. Oh, we have to hate yeah. Trump. Yeah. Exactly. I haven't heard the term Islamophobia since Biden took office outside oh, of me just saying it now. Yeah, no. And even even near the end of the uh, Trump administration, we kind of stopped hearing it. They would they would make a, a point about the travel ban, which had been overturned anyway by court. But like, they, you know, it's we're still we're still materially hurting Muslims all over the country, all over the world in the same ways. But it's fine because it's that doesn't benefit our capitalist war agenda. Yeah. To not do that. Keeping people in the modern equivalent of the Warsaw Ghetto, we're still keeping people in horrible conditions in Palestine, in the West Bank. We're still seeing people have their houses ripped from them. We're having their burn. Their, you know, I'm not a fan of small business or nothing, but when you see it on the on Twitter, when you see people go and just destroy a whole neighborhood of Palestinian businesses and homes, it's hard not to feel for that. At least I don't understand how people can't. It's easy. To, it's easy for most people to hear the news, tell them this is how you're supposed to think, and take it no further than that. Yeah, if they watch the news at all, right? Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's true. A lot of people just are so checked out, they don't even know this stuff is happening, even though it's v- viciously prevalent. And I, I almost feel like that is more – I appreciate that way more than I appreciate the assholes who, like, listen to the, the MSNBC toe the fucking lips. MSNBC line, yeah. And like, oh, yep, yep, got to hate – Oh, uh, man, isn't it so rough for the all those three people that have died in Tel Aviv? Yes, it's awful. Did you know that 123 people have died in Gaza and in the West Bank? It's yeah. like they don't give a shit. This massive, massive discrepancy between the military f- power of Israel, the policing power of Israel towards what is a, a, a colonized people in Gaza and the West Bank. It's just... It's never brought up because they also don't think about that. You know, it's it's the people don't think about it when it comes to us in Afghanistan or Iraq or in any of the other places. You know, we we go around with predator missiles. You know, there are days where if it's a blue sky and you're in uh, Afghanistan, if you're in the countryside, it just sounds like somebody is fucking mowing their lawn in the sky. It's because there's so many fucking drones flying around. We are terrorizing people we are the fourth reich and israel is an extension of us yeah and uh it's okay not to talk about it though because uh our our nations are united and uh we're doing the right thing for the people of the important countries and everyone else is a terrorist Mm -hmm. just to speak real quick on uh a point that i was almost forgetful of when it comes to islamophobia it's like when we stop thinking about that uh when Biden comes in, who takes up the exact same Islamophobic stances. You know, he's still Oh, but he's telling holding... to pull the troops out. Didn't you hear him say it? Hooray, <laughs> in Afghanistan, by September 11th, 10, 20 fucking years, exactly 20 years since the 9-11 attacks. I'm sure we're going to come out, and it's not going to be just a few mili- – you know there are seven – there are over seven contractors for every military personnel – in in Afghanistan right now, that's not. Surprising. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. It might be more. Military contractors are very profitable and make a lot of money, both for the contractors and for the country. Tax revenue. Think about all of the the people who are dying in majority Muslim countries like Indonesia. We support 
we did support a massive genocide of people, many of whom were Muslim, in uh, 1965 and 66. And then we have also supported their systematic underdevelopment and exploitation since then. 50 or 70 years, I guess, or 60 years since now. We've also continued with horrifically violent sanctions on Iran. We've done this all over the place. We've turned Iraq into a failed state. We've gone into Africa and ruined so many people's communities there. Many of, pla many of those are, of course, uh, Muslim majority. These are places that... You know, we talk about Islamophobia is now not in the White House or whatever, but it's always going to be here. This empire exists based on uh, creating a servile class, often very racialized. And since 9-11, you can definitely say uh, an even harsher uh, extent of our empire has been placed on the Middle East, uh, Southwest Asia, Central Asia, and people of the Islamic faith. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, nothing says freedom like being in constant terror and uh, having nothing but abject poverty. We brought them freedom. Aren't we so nice? We are the best. We're the best. Number one, America, number one. Anyway, I guess real quick, uh, touching on the protest themes of the community episode we watched, I just I did think that that's a it was it was symbolic of how protesting works. You can do nothing harmless. I mean, pseudo pseudo symbolic because the whole point of Britta's protesting was she was protesting for the sake of protest, like for the right, sake she of wanted to, Yeah, it's like the same people who are uh, it's it's a bit different. She actually feels you can definitely tell like. She has morals. She may not know what they are, are all the time, but she has them. <laughs> right. She's got them. And she definitely – part of it is definitely a genuine outrage, or at least it's written supposedly that way. But, yeah, it's not so different than people who go to a protest to, uh, you know, down in New York to to call for the, an end to apartheid in Israel uh, and then take a bunch of Instagram photos with the Palestinian flag wrapped around them. It's yeah, like, it's, it's the, show, not a actual and accomplishing anything. Right, it's a lot of look at me, look at me, how how good I am. Yeah, um, leftism again, for screen time, not leftism for leftists' agenda. Again, it's another. It's a it's a symptom of the individualism that rots our culture. Yeah, the Instagram age we live in. God, I hate Instagram. To be fair, that kind of individualism has always existed. We just have better oh, tools to make it so, prevalent now. Yeah, it's always been here. This country is founded specifically on fuck you, I got mine, you know. Yeah. And that's that's what it's supposed to be. It's just that Instagram, all these kinds of, I suppose, like hyper, what's the word? Hyper normalization? I don't know. In any case, all of these kinds of outlets that we now have in our pockets to show off our virtue it's just going to make it it just makes it much more obvious and much more pernicious not pernicious <clears throat> ubiquitous yeah. that's the word that's the that's the ten dollar word yeah but I, I do think it was funny kind of just the it was almost a what if if like hey what if all this uh pointless media sensationalized or not i mean not even media self-sensationalized uh faux protesting still got the same kind of police responses that harmless protests that actually are trying to accomplish something get that same kind of uh over the top tase you for doing nothing wrong <laughs> uh police forcing yeah. i mean honestly that would be really I, I would watch those like those tiktoks if someone was uh doing a pointless silly like wrap a flag around themselves protest and then a cop tased them 
Oh yeah, I, that would actually be kind of fun to watch. <laughs> Not that I like cops tasing people, but those people, be, I wouldn't mind seeing get knocked down a little bit. Anyway, um, I guess we got off track of community, but there was an important. There's, a, I don't know if you know, there's a somewhat important genocide happening, so we figured yeah. we should touch on it. Um, yeah, but definitely. yeah, I think that uh, that about covers our uh, session for today. You good, Kyle? Yeah, um, just to say that there will be in the description some uh, sources to help the people in Palestine. Obviously, right now it seems Absolutely. so incredibly tough to uh, to feel like you can do anything about it. You know, whenever you hear about it, it's that it's very complicated or that it's somehow, um, you know, an intractable conflict that you have no control over. Uh, you do have control over it. You know, if you really want to, you can do the silly thing of like calling your senator who won't answer your phone. Uh, but Better than that is you can donate. I will put up a card, a, yeah. a link, so that people can find some some decent sources. Yeah, it may sound a bit cliched, but these really are situations where every little bit helps. So if you can chip a couple bucks that way, um, you know. And, of course, yeah. make sure you do it by your own way rather than uh, uh, one of those crowdfunded, like, oh, uh, this is a, uh, would you on roundup on your purchase for charity because then that charity goes to ta- tax breaks for the rich instead of and of course those charities are never going to be as good so you know this is a way you can yeah. give to a charity and actually feel good about yourself and also still keep the receipt for your own taxes because this country is evil and you need to worry about that shit and yeah there are 3.8 billion dollars every year that we're giving to them we gave iron dome money some of those rockets that you've seen exploding over gaza uh we paid for not just uh, over the last 10, 20, 30, 60 years, but we've paid for them last year in the COVID relief bill. So uh, just know that none of us are really, you know, I'm not trying to individualize this and make people feel shame, but you should feel something and you should probably, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. Yeah, in, I mean, it's, not, it's not your fault core. that your taxes go there, but you may as well try to balance it out karmically. Right. As much as you can. Yeah, and then uh, in two weeks, look forward to our next episode uh, where, where we're going to be talking about where, I mean, I realized May Day was last, will have been last month by the time it comes out, but we're going to uh, touch on workers' rights and uh, how fucked our system is for anyone who's not part of the elite and controlling class. Uh, so look forward to that. I guess that's it. So thanks all for listening and uh, love and solidarity, folks. Love and solidarity, y'all. I think it's about time. We stop those of us who support, as most of us do, Israel in this body. We're apologizing for our support for Israel. There's no apology to be made. None. It is the best $3 billion investment we make. Were there not an Israel, the United States of America would have to invent an Israel to protect her interest in the region. The United States would have to go out and invent an Israel. to protect her interest in the region. They talk. So I am told.